Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The president and the CNN reporter, Jim Acosta, and the removal of his hard pass for the White House. And now the judge giving it back temporarily. It's not over yet. The case will continue, and the stories will continue. But the relationship between the president of the United States and some mainstream media, maybe most, fractured, what lies ahead? I have no idea. I do know there's a lot of public opinion. I do know there's a lot of strong views about it, because after my conversation with Professor Paul Levinson last weekend, the emails, well, they're still coming in. And uh, there is a, there's an overriding feeling that uh, media are not being particularly many mainstream media, are not being particularly fair or objective in their reporting. Professor Jane Kirtley joins me, the Silha Professor of Media Ethics and the Law at the Hubbard School of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Minnesota. She's also extremely familiar with issues that have to do with media and ethics in this country. And uh, Jane, it's great to have you back on the program. Thank you so much, Roy. It's a pleasure. No point in, uh, in starting with anything nice and easy, huh? No, um, this has been a, an interesting time the last couple of weeks, for sure. So let me start uh, start with this. So the focus today is on the court reissue of Jim Acosta's accreditation. Has he, do you say, earned the right to have it returned? He didn't follow protocol for a Q&A with the president. And should a president or prime minister have the right to withdraw media credentials when they feel it's appropriate? The second question is the one that, of course, the judge had to address in this particular lawsuit. Um, we have precedent here in the United States, based on the First Amendment, that government officials, including the president, cannot retaliate against the press based on their reporting. Um, that's, that's pretty much carved into stone. And, you know, there are a lot of issues that came up in the case, and I'm happy to dissect it in any way you want. But what ultimately this ruling was about was that the, the White House did not follow a process for uh, taking away the press pass that would have made it possible for Jim Acosta to challenge it, give him a right to be heard, give him full notice of the reasons for it. You and your listeners probably remember that when this first began, the argument was that he had acted inappropriately when an intern tried to get him to give up a microphone. What happened, of course, was that the White House, Sarah Sanders, did something quite extraordinary, which was to put out a doctored video that they had apparently gotten from the InfoWars site and use that as part of their justification. They've since backed away from that, and in fact, in the argument in court, the lawyer representing the White House specifically said they were no longer making that argument. So that's gone, is, is my point. So what we're left with is the remarkable assertion that the White House lawyer made, which is that the president would have the authority to kick out any reporter whose reporting he didn't like. I mean, it, it was almost phrased in those exact words. Mm -hmm. And Judge Kelly, who, by the way, is a, is a Trump appointee, he was appointed last year after Trump's nomination of him, said that that was simply not acceptable. And I think that explains why so many of the news media in this country, including Fox News, um, who, you know, there's no love lost between CNN and Fox, 
but they all recognize that if the principle is that a, re, uh, that a reporter can be tossed out because the president basically doesn't like their viewpoint or the nature of their reporting, then none of them are safe uh, from that because, you know, at some point the wheel will turn, there will be somebody else in the White House, and that person might decide that they don't want Fox there. So whether this is a huge First Amendment issue, which in fact the court here said, I'm not really reaching that question today, I'm looking at the issue of the process, and the process was inadequate here. And as you said, it's a temporary restraining order. Um, nobody knows exactly how quickly the next step will uh, unfold. Typically, an order like this would last for 10 days to two weeks, and we don't really know what will happen next. But um, at this stage, as you said, um, his press pass has, uh, the judge has ordered the White House to return his press pass to him. Jane, had the president said, look, you're, 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 you're hanging onto the microphone when I told you to let go of it. I told you to pass it on to the next person. The protocol in here is you ask a question, you listen to the answer, you sit down, you give it to the next person, unless I grant you a supplemental question. Had he taken that particular tack and had Acosta, Jim Acosta, not uh, followed, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to hypothetically here, had Jim Acosta not followed that particular instruction from the President of the United States, might it have been a different outcome in the courtroom? Well, I think the point that, again, the judge made and that, in its statement since the verdict the White House has also made is, if they had a protocol in place Mm -hmm. that was a protocol that would withstand First Amendment scrutiny, that is to say, was viewpoint neutral, um, and Jim Acosta or any other reporter violated it, then that might well be grounds for taking away the press pass. But the point is, there there was no such protocol in place. And in fact, you know, when when it came up in the uh, hearing, when the question was asked of the White House lawyer, well, whose order was this? He couldn't even answer that question because there was no procedure in place. And I realize that may sound, you know, a very lawyerly kind of thing, but procedures like that are critical under First Amendment doctrine because you have to give people notice if you're going to take away a right. Did and, you know, and, and the White House, you know, has argued reporters don't have a right to be here. And that's really not true because of the pattern and practice that goes back probably to FDR. But the point is that you, you might have reasonable grounds to kick a reporter out. You might have reasonable grounds to decide you're never going to let any reporters in. I mean, I'll even go that far. Mm-hmm. But what is clear under the First Amendment is you can't kick them out because of their ideology, because of their viewpoint. And President Trump has made it abundantly clear that he can't stand CNN, he calls it fake news, and he certainly can't stand Jim Acosta. So he has really set up uh, the foundation to say you're doing this based on viewpoint, not on a neutral uh, standard that would apply to anybody. Uh, the judge also said that uh, the president was not required to take any more questions from Jim Acosta, but, uh, and, and but Acosta right. got the pass, right? But let me yeah, ask you, let, let, wasn't, wasn't, there, wasn't there a case as well, uh, I'm testing my memory here, where Barack Obama ordered somebody out? Yes, and, and in fact, that's right, and, and that happened with Fox. I can't remember exactly when it was. I think it was in his first term. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this kind of thing has happened before, and, and when that happened with Fox, a lot of other news organizations, including the White House Correspondents Association, protested against that. Um, you know, this is not, this is Trump-specific only because the White House chose not to do what I think okay. would have been the sensible thing to do, which is to simply say, okay, you, know, you can have your press pass back, 
maybe we're not going to actually talk to you because they can't be forced to do that, but we can't take it away. Jane, uh, let's just set the the, the video aside and and talk about the relationship that exists between the, the truth and media reporting. Is there... As is accused, uh, the, the accusation is made regularly that there is a definite liberal, if we don't want to go all the way to left wing, that there is a very definite liberal bent in mainstream media and that conservative politicians find it necessary to move their, their positions more to the center in order to get fair coverage from mainstream media. Is there, whether it's Canada or the United States, and you, I know you watch them both very carefully, is there truth to that assertion? I think one of the distinctions that's really important to make, and, and you made it in your introduction to this segment, is that there is a distinction between news reporting and commentary. I mean, it, it still exists, at least in some form, although I think, at least in the United States, in terms of cable news, um, and, and I'm, I'm not picking out any particular one, I think it's ubiquitous in cable news, that the distinction between commentary, punditry, uh, editorializing, whatever you want to call it, and straight news reporting has eroded in a major way. Um, I mean, I tend to skew left, as I'm sure you, you know, but I find that when I'm watching Fox News, their newscasts, I'm quite comfortable with what I'm seeing there. I feel that it is fair reporting. Um, when they start having their pundits on, I don't feel that that's necessarily fair. That's my perspective. Others have different perspectives. But my point is, I see a distinction, but I think it's a distinction that's been eroding. And because of that, I think it's quite understandable that many in the public, and certainly people that are the subject of news coverage, will conflate the two and say, you know, I, I, can't, I can't get uh, just the facts out there. And this is something I hear from people all the time, regardless of what their political bent might be. Um, I know that people of a more conservative viewpoint feel that they are ill-used. You know, I, I, there, there are studies that have been done. There are reports that are done. There's fact-checking that's done by a variety of news organizations that talk about this issue of, you know, who's telling the truth, who is telling lies. Um, and I'm not necessarily talking about the news media as such, but as uh, the people that are out there making the news. Um, you know, you're entitled, as, they, as the old saying goes, to your own opinion, but not your own facts. And I think the frustrating thing for everybody is trying to plumb through the rhetoric to find the, the core truth. Because if we're not operating from the same foundation of fact, then how can we possibly have an intelligent discussion? We mm-hmm. can't. And I think the other problem is that because, and you and I have talked about this many times before, that with the advent of a whole variety of new forms of, of media platforms, um, the Internet um, facilitating all kinds of things, um, many of whom are not journalists in a conventional sense, have not been trained in ethical considerations, it's very easy for people to now choose to go to the sources that reinforce the views they already have. And again, I'm, I'm not saying this is unique to any particular side. Everyone can do that now. And I think as a consequence, we're losing, again, this, this notion of we start from a common set of facts, and then we go from there to discuss how best we should address the problems of the day or whatever the case might be. Now, there is the view that certain news organizations have a particular preference for a social or f- political philosophy and that they engage in pushing that preference. And that I hear time and again 
from people who are news consumers. And somebody actually sent me an email wondering about what kind of relationship exists between the truth and media. And that's a subject for another a discussion. I wish we had more time, but we've used it all up. And we always do, but it's always a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> it's always great talking to you. Jane, thank you so much. Thank you, Ray. Take well, care. Professor, Professor Jane Kirtley from the University of Minnesota. She's excellent. She's really great. I wanted to talk to her about the, uh, that story about the, the oceans heating up more than 60% than, the, than we thought, but it's wrong because 10 of them, 10 scientists all got the math wrong, and one mathematician pointed it out, and then they sort of half-heartedly apologized. There wasn't a whole lot of media correction on it. There was a feeble attempt in the New York Times. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.